Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast, wherein two early 40s curmudgeons stare down the prospect of their rapidly impending entertainment irrelevance. I am your co-host. My name is Noah Tarno. I am the founder, quiz master of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular. And with me... I am the irrelevant Bill Scurry, sharing the co-share of irrelevance with Mr. Noah Tarno. I am American Caesar Enterprises, and uh, yeah, that's my deal. See, we're not irrelevant yet. Our irrelevance is impending. It's impending. It's inbound, yes. Yeah, and uh, every episode of the show, we look at something the quote-unquote kids are into and uh, give it a look, give it a listen, give it a feel, give it a taste, and uh, talk about what we think of it, whether we understand it, whether we get it or not, and uh, what it means for the future of humanity. And today, we've done, what, 60 episodes now, Bill? Uh, I think this is 64. I I believe this is the first time we are looking at something from the genre the topic that i fancied myself when i was a young man i fancied myself an expert in i was quickly dissuaded from that belief but this is the first time we're looking at a rock and roll band uh, i left college thinking i would be a rock critic and really gave that a go and realized that wasn't for me but i never stopped being a rock fan and to some extent uh considering myself a rock aficionado so today we are looking at arguably the hottest rock and roll band of the moment, Greta Van Fleet. Oh, wait a second. I did all my research on Greta Van Sustern. I may be (laughs) at a disadvantage here. Who or what is Greta Van Fleet? Well, Greta Van Fleet is a four-man band from England that formed in 1968. They were originally called the New Yardbirds. Uh, they formed out of the ashes of the old Yardbirds, and they they immediately toured Europe before returning to England to record their debut album, which was eventually titled Greta Van Fleet One to reflect their new name. In 1969, they embarked on their first tour of the United States, where they shot to the top of the album charts and have never entirely left. While on the road, they recorded the even more successful Greta Van Fleet Two, after which they toured the world relentlessly pioneering the concept of stadium-sized rock concerts. Eventually, they broadened their musical horizons with the folk-inflected Greta Van Fleet 3 and an untitled album commonly referred to as Greta Van Fleet 4. The latter, of course, included the most played song in the history of album-oriented radio, Stairway to Heaven. Sadly, in 1980, (laughs) their drummer passed away. He choked on vomit, and uh, soon after the band uh, broke up. But since then... Greta Van Fleet has been considered perhaps the greatest band in the annals of hard rock, a key influence to nearly every guitar-based genre that has followed in its wake. So you probably picked up on it, at least since when I said Stare to Heaven. No, Greta Van Fleet is not Led Zeppelin. But, I, I see uh, what you did there, though. Yes, you see it? I, you see, it's always better when you explain the joke. Greta Van Fleet, it's uh, four very young men. They were very close to not alive. It's possible their parents weren't alive in 1968. They come from the very small town of Frankenmuth, Michigan. It consists of twin brothers Josh and Jake Kizka. Josh is on vocal. Jake is on wankified guitar. Their younger brother, Sam, plays bass and keyboard. And their school buddy, Danny Wagner, is on drums. The Kiskas hail from a musical family. Their father was a blues rock fanatic. And they stumbled on hard rock in high school. 2017, they released their debut EP, Black Smoke Rising, which included the single Highway Tune, which might be the most Led Zeppelin song ever recorded by anyone, including Led Zeppelin. Uh, That followed another EP, From the Fires. In April of 2017, Apple Music named the Martyrs of the Week. They performed 
for and with Elton John. They were already selling out huge concerts worldwide before, just, just with two EPs released, no album released. And then just this month, they released their debut full album, Anthem of the Peaceful Army, including the single When the Curtain Falls. It debuted and currently rests at number three on the Billboard album charts. Bill Scurry, what do you think of this musical conglomeration? Well, it is interesting that we haven't covered a rock and roll band per se, like you said, other than, of course, Scotty McCreary, who is the very essence of uh, hard yeah. rock, oh. I think. Well, this topic came Someone. to us from a friend of the show, Nick Nadell. Yeah, I don't, I don't really listen to um, like rock and roll per se, and I'm not really following new stuff. I mean, I, I buy shitloads of new music, but uh, it's you know very random what it is that's going to catch my ear. But this was totally out of my purview. I hadn't even heard of them, I think, until last week until when Nick had put the suggestion. You know, the sound is, like you said, the whole Zeppelin thing is, you know, what are we going to do? Talk, <laughs> say that it's not there? I mean, it is explicitly yeah, that. I mean, it's so unavoidable. And half the videos about this band online are like people trying to tell them apart from Led Zeppelin and people criticizing how much they sound like Led Zeppelin and Robert Plant commenting on them, etc. I'm not an expert on Zeppelin. I've, I've maybe heard 10 Zeppelin songs. It, it is a type of rock that doesn't really excite me that much. Like rock and roll is not my favorite genre of music. And, and even beyond that, uh, Led Zeppelin to me has this impression of being this thing that a lot of like burnouts and guys who drank 12 packs of Schlitz in a parking lot with between two cars with their doors open and the radios blasting in 1980 out on Long Island like Led Zeppelin <laughs> was their spirit animal. And I was just always associated Led Zeppelin with those kind of people and I thought ah not for me whatever this is and so I still haven't gotten past that. I still haven't like said oh maybe I should give Led Zeppelin a chance and just listen to it on its own. I think it's great music it's just not in my purview um <laughs> either way you know these kids deciding to emulate that and whether they're admitting to it or not again that's irrelevant because it sounds exactly like it i think it starts with the lead singer josh kiska like you're saying because he is quite literally doing a mimetic you know exact perfect imitation mm. of he's Robert doing Blint. a perfect he's doing perfect imitation of one aspect of plant's voice sure well, plant but- plant had a lot more variation. Okay, well, and that that is a key difference between the two. Of them. Either way, you, Plant, yeah, you, you see what I mean. He, he's yeah, he's yeah, affecting yeah, the whale no. and the howl, and that's impressive. Oh yes, you yes. know what? If somebody came out of the woodwork and was able to sound like Freddie Mercury hit those high notes, you wouldn't really sweat the fact that he doesn't do the quieter stuff because he's able to blow the roof off the place. I feel like listening to Highway Highway Tune. It's like I nearly spat out my beverage when it started playing it because I was like the reputation preceded the fact that we're going to talk about this Pitchfork review, which was kind of like started a fire online so i had the idea like what these guys are i'm like ow how much could it actually sound like it <laughs> it's like i start playing highway tune yeah. yeah what the well, hell man it's he starts with a mama and you're like jesus you know and it's I, you know I, so the thing is it's like i can't get really excited about it because i don't necessarily love the music but at the same time it, look it's impressive they for a bunch of children for a bunch of 14 year old boys you know who put their skateboards down and picked up guitars it is extremely canny you know skill the musicianship i'll just cut to the quick and say my impression is well whenever these guys wind up sounding like they're gonna sound it's probably gonna be pretty cool when they stop doing an impression they stop doing pastiche i have no doubt that you know you got the real roots of, of of musicians here who could stick around for a long time if that's such a thing you know if there if there's a place for rock and roll in in the you know that's not hip-hop inflected at all but for right now these guys do a really good cover version of uh houses of the holy or something like that yeah I don't know. i'm a huge rock and roll fan but it's still 
probably my favorite genre of art. Uh, it will always be there for me. So I'm very attached to rock and roll. And as a kid, got very attached to classic rock and roll. You know, I was I was a bit of a rock snob as a young man in the late 80s, thinking, oh, nothing, nothing new rock and roll is good. But, you know, I wasn't cool enough to really know the underground. And what was above ground, you know, late 80s, early 90s, pre-Nirvana, whatever, was like, fucking poison and that shit and i don't hate it as much as i used to but i never appreciate it so i listened to a lot of classic rock and zeppelin was never my favorite in fact i, I kind of resented them a little because i felt like people held them higher than you know the beatles and the stones and crucially the who the who were my favorite and still are my favorite I don't, classic i don't think i knew that actually about you they might be the greatest rock band of all time Oh, okay. uh, I never I never took to Led Zeppelin. I found it hard to take him seriously, partly just because Robert Plant looked like a Muppet to me. I never had, uh, once I stepped back, I never had a problem with them. I recognized how good they were and certainly how influential they were. It's not about disliking Zeppelin. Uh, I, I think these guys are all right. I think you're right. I think they're very technically proficient. It's impressive that the lead singer can do the voice. And it's weird. Like, you look at videos of him, he doesn't appear to be straining at all. I can't tell if that's, like, good or bad. Like, well, where's the passion? Like, it looks like he's, like, lip-syncing. And the guitarist just, like, wanks like crazy. Like, you look at concert footage of him, every song is eight minutes long because he just wanks on the guitar for 20 minutes. Is that good or bad? I can't tell. You, you, do, you do that math. Uh, I think it's good in a concert. I think it's a very classic rock kind of, like, you're in the groove, you're just rocking, you're losing yourself. It's not about a song. It's just about the guitar as this... You know, if you want to be crude and get down to it, it's the extension of his dick. You know, so much of why rock and roll draws people in and why Zeppelin drew people in is it's just so manifestly sexual. That's how it affects people. That's why people are so passionate about rock and roll, because it you feel it in your most primitive area. I mean, I know this sounds silly, but I really think this is what gets people. So there's this kind of primitive wankiness to it. And it's funny, looking at the interviews with them where they seem like just nice honest guys i mean who knows really surprised me because i, I look at the concerts of them and i think wow they might as well be, have like signs around their neck saying i love blowjobs because it's just <laughs> so like masculine and sen and sexual in almost a whole like it's good old-fashioned rock and roll i mean it's not like they're singing about blowjobs or whatever. but they do like, like they look like little boys though i mean for whatever it's yeah worth. they're young they're like i think the kiskos are 21 they're practically hairless on their chest right, you know, for whatever right. that's worth uh, and they kind of look ridiculous. Like they're wearing, you know, feathers and, and, and like these Native American 60s outfits. And my friend Don Zolaitis used to say, and this was in the 90s, any rock band, if every guy in the rock band has long hair, they automatically suck. If one guy has short <laughs> hair, if one guy has short hair, they might be good. But if everyone has long hair, they suck. The guitarist, the bassist, and the drummer of Greta Van Fleet all have long hair. Josh, the lead singer, and sometimes he has short hair, sometimes he has like a perm. So I don't know about that. Yeah, but it's a very classic look. As I say, the, the plant imitation just annoys me because it it's not... You mentioned The Darkness earlier, and The Darkness was this band that was big, like, British band 15 years ago, and they were almost doing a mockery of, like, Aerosmith, Queen, some ways Led Zeppelin. And what set them apart is they actually wrote some great fucking songs. They were working as both a mockery and a real rock band in that vein. Well, they traded in irony is what you're saying, right? Right, they traded in irony, although they got old really fast. Their first album was great. Uh, I've listened to a few albums after that, and other than a song here and there, didn't have much use for them. There's no irony in Greta Van Fleet, and in some ways that's good. Like, hey, it's the good old-fashioned rock and roll. These guys are talented. I'm curious where they're going to go but they certainly don't break any new ground yet uh and that's a little troublesome but on the other hand you know rock and roll i mean i love punk and punk pop 
that might be my favorite sub-sub-genre. You know, it's not about reinventing the wheel. It's about running the machine right. I really hesitate to criticize rock bands just because they don't break new ground. If they write good, catchy rock songs, then in some respects, that's good enough. Or good enough for now. I'm not going to buy any Greta Van Fleet music, but I'm glad it's out there. I just, I'm not sure I want it to be out there forever. Unless they, you know, they go somewhere new. And we'll see. They have the talent to, but who knows if they have the, the mind or the inclination for that. So before we before we change the uh, segments over, I need to point out that the band's logo immediately stuck yes, out to me. Yes. It's yeah, a well, font. It's a yeah. font I'm very familiar with because they use it yes. in video work. Uh, it's it's actually the Pulp Fiction font. It's called Banguiat Bold. Is it? Because yeah. I looked at that and I saw the logo for Stranger Things. That too. Am it's, I it's, am I wrong? No, no, no. It's it's it, that's right. it's a very uh, it's it's a. It's it's an affectation. It's fast forward past this. This is font corner, guys. Okay, we'll just spend six seconds font. on this. We're we'll do the font cast. The font cast, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure exists. Yeah, right. It's Benguiat bold, which is again, it's very reminiscent. It looks to you like it's incurring some feeling of the. Uh, it's conjuring the '90s, or or I think, or yeah, Stranger Things. Either way, anytime you use a typeface that's so identified with a, a piece of seminal art, it's really hard to repurpose it and shake it from the original meaning. And again, what am I saying? I'm not even saying they shouldn't do this. I'm just saying it's another th- it's another bit of pastiche to me. Their logo almost looks like our whole thing is bringing up little bits and pieces of stuff you've already seen. They're heavily trading in nostalgia. Oh boy. Noah Tarno, at this moment in time, why is Greta Van Fleet burning with the light of a thousand suns? There are two reasons. One is because they've been shoved down our throats. <laughs> no, I mean, look, that's that's the reason everything's popular, right? And I say it every time, because it's shoved down our throats. But I'm going to say something positive here. I'm going to say because rock and roll is great. And if you make competent... And, and these songs aren't bad. I mean, none of them really grab me, but they're decently written. They got pretty good hooks there these are perfectly serviceable rock songs and in my very biased opinion that is a great thing rock and roll is fucking awesome and if you give me a decent rock song i am at least going to like it or at least going to feel a little good about it uh so look decent rock songs and you could argue the world is hungering for decent rock songs maybe we're certainly hungering for nostalgia because of the way the world is we're hankering for something that takes us back and seems in some ways more simple and believe it or not more innocent led zeppelin fine the who the beatles all that has has an innocence to it at least from our point of view now there's not much else like greta van fleet being shoved down our throats so there's a there's a need for it i'm going to make a, a broad generalization and maybe just speak about one quadrant of their audience but i don't think it's a quadrant i think it's like three quarters of their audience i'm going to assume that we're talking about again teenagers kids young white people in suburbs whoever it is that's buying music in in bulk I mean, I was going to sort of loop in the topic of last week's episode. For, forgive us, dear listener, if you haven't listened to our post Malone rundown, but we'll try to contextualize that. But I think there's a there's a big bleed over in terms of who's buying each of these, who's made each of these acts very popular at the same time. But for the moment, let me just talk about who I think is listening to this, likes about it. They're not familiar with Led Zeppelin, and Led Zeppelin has this ineffable quality that people loved in the day and age in 
which it came out. And again, when did you say Led Zeppelin broke up? 1980? Yeah, John Bonham died in December 1980, and they immediately broke up. So you're talking about like from 1968 or 1969 to 1980. It's, you know, it's a pretty quick yeah. run. But the thing is, though, they were arguably one of the most popular bands in the history of rock and roll. If you replicate that almost exactly, I think you're going to wind up having lightning strike twice. And what helps them out is that nobody knows what they're talking about. Nobody, this is simulacra. And you don't know what the original artifact is. And so you're not there to fact check whether they're doing it correctly. Older members of their audience, people outside of their cohort are going to sit there and throw the flag down like this Pitchfork article you know, we keep alluding mm. to. I watched a video of a British rock nerd who was probably around 30 and he loved them. I sure, bet a sure. lot of older people really I, go, I, finally, the return of something good. Yes, you I'm know? not saying, I think yeah, there's a lot saying, of that. But you don't get this famous with that guy. You get this famous by having a phenomenon. And the phenomenon yes, is yeah. that there's something ripping and exuberant and pure. And like you say, and, something- And primal, that, yeah. Yeah, the extension yeah. of your dick, all that all that you know, yeah. stuff that you're theorizing about. Well, but about. you know, I say dick, I want to be clear. Like, I mean, you know, dick metaphorically, like of your erogenous zone. Yeah, yeah I hear like, it. I, I think hear women, women groove on this stuff because they feel it in the same place. It's, yeah, I, I, look, should, I understand you meant that. And I'm sorry I didn't yeah. elucidate on it or, or just assuming yeah. that that's- what we understand you're meant by that. Yeah. But I think that there's almost something foolproof to replicate. Look, if, if Star Wars had went away and it was great and a generation or two or three were separating us and, it, and somebody came out and remade Star Wars, everyone would love that again because what was yeah. in the original thing was great. The nice thing is with music, there's such a continual amnesia and music in particular is built on the audience not remembering where anything came from. That lack of legacy, which, you know, which is weird because the, the essence I think was built on, a, a, you know, a institutional, knowledge of what came beforehand but again in our today's media landscape the quicker you you can forget something the faster you can resell it to somebody or recontextualize it so i think that uh, this is like led zeppelin was successful in 1971 and it's successful in 2018 for the same exact reason whatever it is is being recaptured no one remember where it came from so it's as if they invented led zeppelin maybe we've gotten at this but i want to emphasize and this is me the rock historian kicking in they've duplicated led zeppelin one and two but three and four, you know, if, if Zeppelin had just petered out after that, they'd be, you know, people would still love those records, but they wouldn't be what they are. Um, they wouldn't be Led Zeppelin. And, you know, they were a great enough band that they extended beyond that. And they, they you know, why do people love the Beatles? Because they did 2,000 different things in six years, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, all the great bands showed a lot of variation. These guys haven't, but they're 21. You say you don't like rock and roll, but would you like it more? Would you like Greta Van Fleet more if you were young now? Yeah, probably a little more. Not much more, but rock and roll was definitely more my listening diet as a kid just because I, I wasn't aware. I hadn't started buying music until I was, I would say, college age is when I started building a CD collection. Now, only then did I begin exploring my taste. I just took what was advertised through MTV and the radio. I didn't question it. I didn't go look and do research. Music wasn't, you know, the primary media of things. It was perfectly okay to be passive and have an enjoyable relationship with that. But in terms of being a kid, you know, I, this, I think this is a great time to elucidate this uh, Pitchfork article that we keep talking about. You know, Pitchfork gave a review. Out of 10, they gave him, I think, a 1.8. Was that is, <laughs> a 1.6? 
Some, some ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I got it right here. Let me find. Man, but they shat all over this. Oh my god. They did. 1. It was one of six out of ten. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of the, it was one of their senior editors. And he wrote this piece, and the whole thing was was so rife with condescension and yeah. not even not even snark, but just like this bitter criticism yeah. about how this was you know a pastiche, a cover band, it's valueless, and he's giving very no- very unfair. I mean, this I, I I respect the opinion that you don't like this music, that you think it's hackneyed, but this was very unfair. And sure, very- sure, and and it's like this guy by doing this in Pitchfork and Pitchfork already has a shitty reputation in a lot of quarters for being you know my friend Scott was saying that Pitchfork pretty much derailed one of his friends careers with a with a bad write-up and you know really? like they they, mm. they have that power that they can levy out like you know meretricious gods but they don't seem to be having that power on Greta Van Fleet I mean no that, that's I, the thing it, it yeah, doesn't seem to be hurting their album sales or whatever so what happens is and this, this plays into the Post Malone thing too where this is yet another person who writes a withering review and all these young fans young fans can't take reviews reviews become this thing they did yeah. this with Batman versus Superman anytime somebody writes something that either is withering of something they love or exalts something that they hate they demand yeah. that this person never write again and that they are yeah. wrong and that this yeah. institution yeah. is destined to fail and that every single thing anyone associated with this engages and should be you know thrown brickbats yeah. at it it's, uh, it's so stupid but i don't think it's this stupid. is young people man this is not young people this is baby boomers too this is young people but old people have moved in this direction too i mean let's not get they, into politics but that's a big problem it you is, don't it just is, disagree it is. with me you hate america but kids though treat this torturous mosh pit online with a sense of abandon and fury and there's no there's no empathy or no one's given humanity or dignity my point is not necessarily about oh the guy should never write again the album review kind of like fueled the fan base i think it motivated yeah, maybe, people maybe, it kind yeah. of was like one of the best things that could have happened to them because it makes everybody feel like this ensures our outsider status and as kids as younger people i think what you want to feel like is that you're an army of outsiders you are five billion outsiders you know everyone on this gigantic team that is the biggest yeah. block in yeah. culture is everyone yeah. is disaffected loner outsiders yeah. yeah and it's like this is this preposterous paradox that keeps happening over and over again i could imagine being a kid would i have felt alloyed by a movement like that because we certainly didn't have anything like that when we were kids so it's not just the music i feel like it's the bulwark uh you know of everybody coming together bonding with the music and then the music on top of that is a bonus because it does have this this ripping loud sound that is rock and roll that has you know has it's not like you said there's not really passion in the guy's faces but if you just listen to the tracks it could certainly fool you into thinking that there is I don't know how you got on that from would you like this as a kid? <laughs> so yes or no, like, would you hew to them more because you're like, yeah, they're being attacked by snobs. Well, that's I mean, that what didn't I'm saying. Really, that didn't seem, that, that's not what I take as young Bill. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not. And we didn't have an apparatus like this. There wasn't, uh, there wasn't this giant galvanizing force for us to be a part of. And I think in this case, it's kind of hard to pull this out, to think about, because there are kids that are like this. You're watching kids perform childhood on the internet through their media choices, voting with their dollars or their Spotify's or whatever. And so it's hard for me to just say, would I like the music? Uh, a little bit more, certainly. But I think that it's inextricable from this current cultural complex, if you want to say that three times fast, of how people share the experience of liking something. So it's not just as simple as being a kid in a dark room. It's like you're being a kid in a dark room right. with, a, with an opinion but, but, that you never shut it, up about. I, I think it's always been that way. And I, I, li- I think back to when I listened to classic rock and one of the things that endeared me to The Who over Zeppelin and The Beatles and The Stones 
Stones was that the Who was up there on that Mount Rushmore, but they were they always kind of had this underdog of the Mount Rushmore thing. Everyone seemed to like those three other bands more, and I always viewed myself as an underdog. So like that was the niche I wanted to be in. Like yeah, but you had no outlet though. That's the only difference is that I'm just trying to bring up is the idea that there being this outlet of feeling like you're yeah, on a, yeah. you're on a team. There were no there were no Who message boards I could right. be on. I mean no. I, I would have. I mean in college I was on an Elvis Costello message board. So there you sure. Go. So I don't think I'd like this that much as a kid because the Zeppelin trappings would have no greater effect from on me. But it does get me thinking like what rock bands would I have liked? Because I don't want to sound like I think there are no other rock bands out there now. I mean, there are bands that do well that are clearly rock and roll, Black Keys and Cage the Elephant. And, and none of those bands have really grabbed me. They're not bad. They are definitely 100% playing rock and roll. The one new rock band that I'm really getting into is a band called White Reaper. They're from Kentucky and they're really fucking good. What really moved me in rock and roll was less the exposing my chest kind of thing, metaphorically, long wanking guitar solos and more, which is why I gravitated to pop punk, more like the slashing riffs and the three-minute songs and the tight song structure and stuff like that. The high, whiny voice, as much as I liked Rush as a teenager, and that was for some different reasons. Rush, you know, appealed to me as the as the nerd. I led Zeppelin. It'd be a very different version of teenage me that would love Zeppelin. But Greta Van Fleet in this album are not just merely some 70s hard rock pastiche. The ideas and the sounds and the influences behind the music on this album are so dead specific. You could really whittle Greta Van Fleet's pretty much their entire sound down to one band, and that's Led Zeppelin. I mean, of course, there are some elements of songwriting and musicianship where they fall painfully short, but honest to God, there were deep cuts on this thing that if you told me they were a long-lost Led Zeppelin B-side, I might just believe you. Noah, is Greta Van Fleet with their cagey typeface, they crib from other things in pop culture, is is their fame a sign of an apocalypse? Uh, another comment I make on almost every episode, no, not at all, if they're just here for the moment, or if they, like Zeppelin, really do kind of expand and experiment and grow. Uh, but if they don't grow, if they keep doing this early Zeppelin pastiche, and they end up on the Mount Rushmore of rock, then yeah, that's a sign of the apocalypse. Because... Rock and roll will never die, my friend. So if it does die, they're like the bumblebee. There, there goes humanity. So goes humanity the way of rock and roll. <laughs> you know what? To me, the continual apocalypse, and I, again, it's whatever, 64, 65 episodes of doing this, I still have not set my mind right with the idea that I have to just get used to generational amnesia or at least annual amnesia, that there's no institutional memory or, or continual legacy of anything left over. Just because it was preached to us, this idea of having a back catalog of, of, of everything, I mean, whether it was in school learning about history or if it was in the sciences understanding that there's legacies of, of, of things and, and, or, and just in our lives being comic book fans and pop culture fanatics that there's a sense of uh, this, this arrangement and this array and a continuity and all these things. So that, that a Led Zeppelin band could come out and just do a, a total pastiche and become in, entirely famous all over again. I, I think you should have to work a little harder. It's, it's not enough. <laughs> it's, it's, it, this is me being the old man, which you know, I'll, just, I'll take six seconds to do. It's not enough to be great because there are a lot of people who are 
are great. There are a lot of people who are great who never catch on. Uh, people who yeah. can pl- play like the Dickens, who can screech like a banshee, who can beat the drums like a monster, as good as Buddy Rich, etc., etc. Uh, or even, you know, again, in rap, you know, talking about last week, there's a guy like Post Malone who sleepwalks and, and walks heavy-lidded through his whole career. Meanwhile, there's guys who do it 10 times better than he does who, you know, are known to aficionados, but, they you know, they will never get the fame that they deserve. Uh, and this is just continually the way things happen. Uh, but then again, how likely are they going to be to change their sound if they're getting paid a king's ransom to keep doing the same shit because, over and over again? Because, you know what? I'm going to give them credit. They, they, they want to be musicians. They are artists. So eventually they'll get bored. I don't know what they're really like if they're not just in it for the blowjobs. You know, they want to create something. They want to be creative. And maybe they'll sit down and go, I want to, you know, I want to noodle around. I I discovered this great new sound from this type of music I never heard before. So I want to experiment with that. I mean, that's what all the great artists do. The great ones do that. No, you're not right. And, and, and And a lot of the okay ones do that too. Up, um, up and coming rock and roll bands that you really, really write. There's a band in Detroit called Greta Van Fleet. They are Led Zeppelin One. Yeah. It's like the kid looks like he's just dropped out of a kind of a beautiful little singer. Yes. Very smart. I've seen them. Yeah. They're really, really young. Yeah. I've seen him. And I hate him. He's that uh, he has got such a huge voice that young yeah, fellow. Yeah, and he borrowed it from somebody I know very well. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, what are you going to do? Okay, it's have okay. You been, have, do you know? Has he has he tried to meet you? Have you has he been have been re- no, requests? No, no. I mean, at least he's got a bit of style because he said he based his whole style on Aerosmith. All right, so Bill, are you jealous at all of Greta Van Fleet? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I'm jealous of people who do things well. If uh, quite literally that kid has bi- a biological reality to his throat that I mean, I don't. Even yeah, a lot of but people. You, but you don't know what he's doing to it. He no, might that's true. Blow he it be... out. I mean, he might be like Meatloaf who blew it out on an album or on tour and like couldn't talk for like five years. So. I know, and it's like, but look at me, look at me. That tour, that album, you're talking about a moment in rock and roll yeah, that is well, indelible forever. Yeah. yeah, you could say maybe that's a bad idea to just spend it all yeah. up front. However, it's like like uh, Dr. Tyrell said in Blade Runner, the flame that burns twice as bright burns half as long, Roy. So, no, I mean, I, I'm jealous of the fact that these guys obviously have this, they're good at something in a way that I could never be that good at natively. And, you know, what they do with it is almost immaterial just because it's like, oh, you're one of those fancy lads who's just a fucking genius at a thing. I want to punch you in the neck, my friend. That's probably, (laughs) that's as bad as it gets for me. Uh, Well, I'm insanely jealous of them because I remember being 21 years old. I wasn't on tour playing in front of massive groups of people, including hot women singing along to my music. I mean, come on. I still want to be a rock star. Why do you think I karaoke four nights a week? You always um, tell me that your dream was to play alongside Bob Seger at the Dow Event Center. Yeah, they Saginaw, they Michigan. opened for Bob Seger. Is that, I mean, I guess it's just it was just like a Michigan thing. But well, uh, that still, seems I mean, like I, an odd, that seems like an odd pairing. I actually, you know what? When I read that, yes, they did. Uh, it was uh, September of last year. Uh, I, if it was Bob Seger making that call, or somebody in his party saying, "Yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of play kingmaker as, as the father of Michigan rock and roll," I think that's brilliant. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. That's that's and exactly I, the kind. I like that ring kissing. I would love to see more of that. Yeah, and I kind of I grown to like Bob's uh, "Night Moves" is a gorgeous song. 
Yeah, sure. And actually, you know, I'd heard for years, Bob Seger, his first band, maybe his first band, but his first successful band was called the Bob Seger System. And they had a minor hit with a song called Noah. And I'd heard of it for years and I never bothered to seek it out. And I finally <laughs> heard it a few years ago. And it's really good. I mean, yeah. it's sort of about the biblical Noah, but it's got the sense of humor and Seeger's got a great, it's from like the late 60s. Seeger's got a great voice. So. No, and obviously, no, time is, time is proven. Yeah. Bob Seeger, the Bob Seeger system sounds like an, <laughs> a forgotten Kraut Rock album. <laughs> <laughs> rock and roll, baby. Well, look, hey. Uh, we're always looking for more topics to recommend, and I really want to recommend more rock, uh, talk about more rock bands. So recommend topics to us, and please, if there's a rock band or rock singer who's the kids are into, let me know. So yeah. if if you'd like to uh, find past episodes of our show, look on Apple Music, I guess is what it's called, uh, SoundCloud, <laughs> Google Play, Stitcher. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us Noah and Bill Don't Get It at gmail.com. Visit I Don't Get It Podcast.com. Give us a review on iTunes. You can find me on Twitter at William Scurry. I'm on YouTube at AM Caesar. Oh, and, and a very quick plug I just did a podcast that was released at the beginning. Uh, of of the uh, of Halloween week about V and V the final battle. I yes. teased this the episode before, but it's two and a half hours of greatness. It's not pure. <laughs> no- it's not pure nostalgia. It's me and a couple of uh, Welshmen, a guy named Sky Wingfield and a guy named uh, Neil Gaskin, talking about V for their Film Eighty Nine podcast. We had a lot of fun. I think we actually had a pretty substantive discussion about culture. So yeah, uh, yeah if if you fancy, give that a listen. And uh, Noah Tarno is V more timely now. So those of you who don't know, V was a movie. No, it was, it, there was a, it was too many series a year apart from one another and there was a comic book and basically it's about aliens invade the earth they're like lizard people but they disguise themselves as humans and it's about the rebellion against the lizard the lizard alien people right yeah i feel like that would be timely oh it is i mean it was it was was a very broad pastiche of you know fascism and the invasion of you know people who collaborate it was supposed to be conjuring world war ii but it winds up being something incredibly prescient about today it's much less fun to watch it outside of 1983 today (laughs) yeah it feels like oh jesus this is actually everything that they said happened is actually happening including lizard people anyway so noah tarno where can we find you uh, the big quiz thing, bigquizthing.com, corporate and private trivia events, uh, booking like crazy now for the holiday season and into 2019. Uh, we're all over the country. Uh, but bigquizthing.com, you can set up for a mailing list where we send you uh, trivia into your email box, the world's greatest trivia. And we're on Twitter and Instagram where you can get trivia and factoids there. At Big Quiz Thing, uh, I am on Twitter as well under my own name. I'm not tweeting much these days, so I'm kind of tired of that. Hey, Noah's brand is great. Everybody knows Noah's brand is great. If you get a chance, yes. either go to a show or just, you know, ch- check out his newsletter. These things are, are great oh, additions. Oh, they bring a smile to your face. I thank you, Bill. I know what I need to say. We just booked yesterday uh, our seventh. We rarely do public events anymore, but in 2019, we will do our seventh annual Big Oscars Quiz Thing. We do a movie trivia uh, multimedia game show followed by uh, New York City's uh, greatest live Oscar screening. And we are back at our usual venue for that. We had skipped last year because of booking things, but uh, we're back at Le Poisson Rouge in Greenwich Village. And that's Oscar Sunday, February 24th. We just booked that yesterday. So hopefully tickets will probably go on sale next week. So, uh, yeah, send those wrecks in. And uh, guys, don't blow your throats out trying to imitate Robert Plant. Please leave it to the professionals. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2018.